Hello and welcome once again to the Pressing Matters podcast. I'm Sam Hyde and I'm joined as always by Toby Puisever. This is our League Cup special. That's that's a joke. We're not going to do that. We don't care about the League Cup this week because uh, there were two games, Arsenal, Everton and Liverpool Wolves that we're probably going to spend most of the time talking about, I'd say. So, hello Toby, let's start with uh, Liverpool Wolves, should we? There's uh, There are a few changes for Liverpool with uh, Bajcetic and Elliot coming in, and also uh, Cody Gakpo It's not there. Hello Sam. Uh, yeah, we only care about big teams uh, here on the Pressing Matters podcast. Uh, big teams and big titles, hey? Um, yeah, a few changes for Liverpool midweek. I think it was always going to happen because of the amount of games that we've played. Um, it's sort of basically like three in, a, three in a week. Cody Gakpo dropping to the bench with Jota coming back in. All very uh, positive in like a depth perspective. And um, yeah, Bacetic was quite obvious he would play, I guess, because he's he's been fantastic whenever he's played for us. Uh, but it was interesting seeing Harvey Elliott alongside him uh, and then Fabinho sitting in. It was quite a, quite a fun midfield to watch, actually, and uh, quite a good game. Is Fabinho fun at the moment? I mean, he's fun in in the way he's tackling, but is he fun for Liverpool fans? Um, no, Fabinho is not much fun at the moment. But last, well, I say last night uh, against Wolves, it was probably his best performance of the season, I'd say. Um, and I think, I think it was partly well. So so previously we played. A midfield three, I believe it was against Wolves, uh, of Naby Keita, Henderson, and Fabinho. So we went with a more experienced team last time. I think I think that was the lineup, but I could be wrong. Um, definitely for a game recently, it was it was that three. Maybe it was against Crystal Palace even. Maybe I'm just getting muddled. There's too much football going on, hey. But it was a midfield three of Fabinho with. Elliot and Bacetic either side, which initially I was pretty nervous about because of Fabinho's form and he's the only real uh, bit of, I suppose, steel would be harsh on Bacetic because he does fly into challenges, but experience and maybe like game management, he was the only one in there and uh, he was, he's not, well, he's, he's been way off it all season. So I was a little bit nervous about that. Uh, but it was his best performance, and I think it's got something to do with the fact uh, of how the other two played either side of him, and being so comfortable to receive possession under pressure. They didn't go hiding, uh, and they didn't look to pick the ball up in safe areas. And um, Harvey Elliott, a lot has been made of his sort of defensive contributions when he plays in centre midfield uh, in a three. Uh, He's not he's not the greatest presser presser, um, and he's not really a ball winner. But what he does have is a fantastic first touch and great ball mastery. And I think they both Elliot and Pachetic acted as sort of pressure valves, being able to to take that extra touch, draw pressure onto them, um, and then either beat the pressure or. or or play around it in a way that meant that we could recycle possession in a, in a way that um, sort of neutralised the press. Uh, and that was quite huge for us, because recently we've been struggling in possession to control a game, and um, they, they did a fantastic job against Wolves, 
um, to do that. So yeah, that was they were the big things. I think also Jota being in the in the forward line. I think he's very intelligent off the ball uh, at closing off passing lanes to stop progressive passes centrally, which opens up more pressure onto the midfield. Um, and not to say Gakpo hasn't been good at that, but I think he's sort of been learning on the job a little bit. Um, so good to have some depth back in the forward line. And uh, very nice to see the, the young midfielders perform so well, to be honest, against a, against a, a good, very good and experienced Wolves midfield. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you call Wolves good, because I think we had this discussion before and I, I was picking up Wolves a lot. Um, in the reverse fixture, uh, the midfield was uh, Bajcetic, Keita and Thiago. Okay, alright, so I was miles off it. But also we just looked more patient, more controlled, more sort of sure of ourselves. Uh, I think recently Liverpool have been very sort of rushed, forcing things and nervous, um, which is normal when you lack confidence and you want to run. But it's now four games in the Premier League, uh, four clean sheets on the on the bounce in the Prem. Obviously, you've got to throw in the fact that we conceded five at home to Real Madrid in that, but um, it's a different kind of opposition. I think it's fair to say, but uh, yeah, I think I think that run of clean sheets is actually the thing that would propel us to top four more than more than anything. You know, there's been multiple times where we've said, "Are we back? Are we have we turned this corner?" Um, I think one of the other signs in the in the mentality uh, showing like a bit of a change was the fact that we had that goal disallowed by uh, where Jota is deemed to have fouled. Uh, I believe it's Kilman or Dawson in the build-up to the Nunes goal. And I, I was worried that that would sort of create a bit of panic or create a bit of um, impatience in our play. But instead, it sort of just rallied the team and, and we went on and deserved to win. Um, it wasn't one of the clean sheets that we've had previously against sort of Newcastle, for example, where we kept a clean sheet, but... Allison had to come up with big saves. Allison was pretty untroubled, and um, we looked more like a team capable of dominating all aspects of a football game. Uh, and we have not looked like that for a very long time. Yeah, and it's it's the midfield that's changed as well, isn't it? We've spoken about you you've spoken about how the the bad midfield is what is causing a lot of problems, and the the defence this week is no different than it was. No, no. And Canate was back in as well, to be fair. But I would say Canate did look like he had just played his first game back after, you know, th- three weeks, I think it is, with an injury. He, he did look um, good, but not solid. You know what I mean? And a bit jittery almost and a bit sort of... Um, n- not a Rolls-Royce. Uh, I think, that, and, and he has looked that good in, in other games for us when he's had rhythm when he's been playing regularly uh, he's looked he's looked sensational um, but this game he wasn't and there was Timikas in there as well but I would say that Trent looked fantastic uh, in possession and out of possession uh, and he goes and presses so high and so aggressively but I think he's doing it without a fear of looking at the player inside of him when it's Kanate because Kanate has the frame and presence and size and speed to actually dominate his to, to be exposed against any type of striker and still be able to dominate his zone um, if, if Jimenez goes up against him and tries to pin him he's strong enough to deal with it if somebody tries to spin him and, and, and attack that space in behind him 
he's very quick across the ground and has great recovery tackles. Um, and yeah, I think that's quite maybe maybe has a has a knock on effect on on Trent and sort of more Trent's confidence than anything, and 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 maybe assertiveness in in going and pressing without checking that shot without having to look at what's the space he's exposing inside and behind him okay so moving on to wolves which is going to touch on a little bit uh because i don't think we've really spoken about wolves yet either but um they seem to have just a lot of quality in the squad i think craig dawson seems actually like quite exciting exciting he was unbelievable last night sam by the way he kept them in the game for a lot longer than they not they should have been in but he 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 was he was fantastic. I I brought him into my FPL team two weeks ago, and he's got zero clean sheets since then. But I think uh, his last two games they had clean sheets for eighty minutes, and then just conceded late. I I didn't watch this game. Were you impressed with what you saw with Wolves? Will they be okay at the end of the season? I think I think so. I think there's a few things that I would maybe I hadn't seen a huge amount of wolves this season. Um to be perfectly honest. I think even though we played them about four times uh in the past month, it feels like cause we played them FA Cup replay I'm pretty sure we had with them and then we played twice in the league uh, so quickly. Um what I would say is they feel like a team that's just drifting into sort of mid-table obscurity. But the mid table's so tight that they're actually in a relegation scrap somehow, um, kind of from previous results. But I think they'll be fine. It's just a case of the Premier League being so difficult that it's quite hard to put a good run together to really bring them clear. Uh, if that makes sense, in terms of like putting a good run together to actually completely drag themselves out of a fight, because of how poorly they did early on, they're kind of around it just because of that, rather than. Like they could be pretty average, for, like a pretty average sort of mid-table team for the rest of the season, and they'll still look like they could be in a relegation scrap. Also, because of the teams that are trying to escape around them. But I do think they'll be fine. My only question with them is, I do feel like they are light going forwards. They did bring on Diego Costa last night, and I didn't realize this, but that you know, Guedes, is it Gonzalo Guedes? He's he's back. He went back to Benfica, didn't he, in January? Oh, did he? Well, he he, he was, doesn't even play for them anymore. Everyone was saying he was rubbish, though. Well, yeah. So I think that was the thing. But I, I mean, he didn't have very long to adapt or, yeah. or a long stint at the club to really develop in the in the Premier League. But but yeah, I remember they signed uh, Mateus Nunes at the at the same time, and there was a couple of weeks where I was just getting those two players really confused just because they've got like slightly generic Portuguese names. And one of them is really good, and one of them was really bad, and it was very confusing. Yeah, Nunes, Nunes is, looks like a hell of a player. I know uh, a lot of Liverpool fans are annoyed that we weren't even in for him. But yeah, I mean, they're playing They're playing what they're playing, like Jimenez, and I'm not sure if Sarabia is wide, but yeah, he's well, obviously, he's chipped in with a few goals, hasn't he? I think maybe just maybe just the one. Just the one, I think. Away. I think. I think he's... I think they've played a two before, but um, they they've been really flexible recently as well. Like Jimenez hasn't played all the games. Like sometimes, oh, I don't remember, but I think they did like a weird front two with Sarabia once. It was Sarabia and like 
I don't know, someone like Podence. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. The only question is sort of around around goals, but I mean, look, I think they'll I think they'll be okay. Um, Aignori's really good, and he doesn't even start. That Bueno went off. Apparently, he's been one of their best players this season. Oh, Bueno's been great, yeah, and he's like really young. Hugo Bueno. Yeah. So he's he's very exciting because this thing like I Nori like last season was really good, and then they've just got like a twenty year old left back who's been like even better, and I think playing the four as well is uh, maybe helping Bueno a little bit because I think I Nori would prefer to be a wing back, wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean I I Nori looks so comfortable on the ball. Um, he's really good going forwards, but yeah, I think the question is there if, if you're playing. A four, not a five. Is like Nori going yeah. to? Uh, is he going to be defensively sound enough for when you're getting dominated and you're maybe, you know, I think his first thought often seems to be to attack, which can be okay if you're in a front three that can circulate possession and keep it well, and and be sort of an aggressive back three. But if you're playing a four, it, it is obviously, it is obviously quite different. Um, but yeah, the the squad does look good. I'm sure that next season, I would like to say that you know, I'm sure they will invest well. And with Lopetegui there, um, I think they could be um, a real a real force. But uh, for now, they've got to get themselves out of this scrap, which I'm sure they will. But uh, it's tough without a lot of goals, as as Everton are finding it as well. Yeah, well, because Everton lost four 0 to Arsenal which is obviously very exciting. Uh, very happy with that. But uh, yeah, their striker was Neil Mope, who I think last week I called him a goal vacuum. Yeah, he did. Uh, I don't know. I, I've spoken about Everton's attack before and been really negative about it. And now they were playing with Mope instead of Calvert-Lewin. And um, they... I mean, it's just... A, it would, You know, if you're saying Wolves have a bad attack, then what is the Everton attack? Like... Um, Everton had their moments against Arsenal, sort of. Like, uh, there was quite a nice uh, XG graph showing, like, who has XG when. And Everton started off with a little bit. 15, 20 minutes was when Arsenal got on the board for XG. And then, basically, from that point on, uh, it was, like, all Arsenal. In the second half, especially... They didn't really offer anything. Yeah, I saw in the group. I was. I'm in a gr- uh, well, in a group chat. Um, somebody started putting in there. You know, ah, oh, this Everton team's got so like it was like 15 minutes in. They were like, oh, this Everton team's got so much quality. Um, there's no way they're going down. And I just thought of you to be honest, and thought how I'd probably be saying, yeah, they do have loads of quality in midfield, as I like to bang on about. But ultimately. You called it earlier on, and maybe it's harsh just saying this after after a four 0 loss to to Arsenal. But as you as you've said, basically, you know, you need to score goals, and they're not dominant enough, which means in possession and things like that, which means that they're not creating enough clear cut chances, and they don't have the play, they don't have the forwards that can just feed off scraps and just create things out of nothing or or even like you know that makes it sound like they've got to be some really elite world-class player but even the sense that someone who thrives off off being sort of um not thrives off being isolated but 
is quite capable to be left alone and will still make something and, and make life difficult for defenders. When Everton played against Liverpool and they started with Josh Sims, he was isolated, but he couldn't even make anything look... He couldn't hold the ball up to bring players into people into play and he couldn't actually create anything out of half chances with like raw pace or, or something like that that's still going to hurt teams. Um, whereas like I'm thinking of like an Adama Traore for Wolves. He could be isolated, but he's got such blistering pace that there is always a chance that he could just he could do something a little bit crazy uh, and unpredictable. And it feels like Everton can't be so restricted going forwards and have such poor forwards. If, if does any of that match up with what you saw? Yeah, well, Everton really need to build from the defence basically because you're looking at that front three and it's uh, against Arsenal. It wasn't even really a front three because they're so deep. But um, yeah, Wobi and McNeil on the wings. You know, Wobi did really well in midfield under Lampard. But I think if you put him out on the wings for uh, for the rest of the season, is it's just going to be the same problems he had at Arsenal, which is that he looks good in moments, really good at uh, dribbling and looks exciting on the ball. But when it comes to actually doing anything meaningful with it it's uh it's just like that kind of mindset and that kind of footballing intelligence is is not quite up to level Uh, yeah i suppose also on a wobi i've not i've not seen too much of him under under dice but i mean they played he played well they played liverpool um but i think if you're having a sort of ball orientated winger who doesn't really want to run in behind too much, but wants the ball to feet, and you're converting them into a midfielder, you have to be playing through the thirds and playing through the lines, ball into feet, and, and playing sort of a possession-based game, which is what Lampard did in the initially want to do, I think. Then he sort of became more and more defensive and things like that as, as the results got worse. But I suppose Sean Dyche football is about efficiency, isn't it? It's not about... It's not about having the ball all the time. And that's not to say he, he he's a manager who likes to hoof the ball long or anything disrespectful in that sense. But he's just it's just efficient football of just using the ball well when you've got it. When you don't have it, you're sitting in an aggressive mid-block, 4-4-2 typically, but 4-5-1 more of Everton, where you are frustrating the opposition and limited, limiting um, how they can progress the ball and what areas they can have time on the ball to, to really hurt them. So... I think, yeah, I think maybe is is Sean Dyche going to set a team up to play out from the back, play through the midfield, get Awobi onto the ball where he can be neat and tidy and press resistant and find someone else who's going to be more effective and, and hurting teams once he's almost sort of like earned the time and space for the player he gives it to. Um, so if he's a player who wants it to defeat to then sort of draw a press to then beat a press and then give it to someone who can go and hurt a team who because they've got the time that Awobi's made that could be effective but is Sean Dyche really going to set the team up like that when they're in a relegation scrap already probably not well Arsenal had 73% possession yeah it's uh, obviously Arsenal are a team that are going to want to control the ball a and lot. how does obviously at the Emirates as well it's different but how does that compare to when putting you on the spot here on the stats but how does that compare to when you, they beat you in his first game nearly exactly the same Arsenal had 71% possession when they lost the first time 
Um, okay. But it, it felt very different as well. Everton weren't getting into these amazing spaces in behind, which even in the game that they won, they couldn't really do anything with, uh, anything meaningful. Uh, and it really felt like when Saka scored, which was an absolutely brilliant goal, by the way. It's one of those where you think like, oh, why is he taking it wide like that? And then he just smashed it in on his weak foot and Pickford's got absolutely no chance. Um, but from that moment on, which is in the 40th minute, it was just like all Arsenal. It just felt hopeless for Everton. There was a mistake by Gay not long after, which uh, was just spending too much time on the ball. And then going in 2 at half-time, Everton didn't really come out and, and show very much. And uh, yeah, it just, just got worse for them, obviously. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they react. It just, like, to beat Arsenal 1-0 a month ago and then to turn it around and it's 4-0, kind of. I don't know. I, I'd feel kind of bad about that. I'd feel like what what's changed in a month. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you look at the table, they've played an extra game than the two teams below them who could who could both catch them. Um, you know, it'd be surprising a, a Bournemouth and Southampton win, you know, both at the same time. But, you know, they are... There's, it doesn't really look like a great escape at the moment, or, or it doesn't look like the great escape and reactionary response we were all. Well, I was throwing in after the one nil win over over Arsenal. Initially, that one game in reaction, nothing like it. Hey, I'm, I'm kind of feeling good about what I said. We'll we'll see how it holds up. But uh, the next game they've got against is against Nottingham Forest. So uh, that just feels so it's pretty massive. Got to win. But they're all big ones, really, aren't they? It'd be interesting to see if he goes with because I just feel like there's so there's such a lack of attacking options. I've been talking a lot about how sort of fun the midfield three could be and things like that, but maybe it's just hampering them a little bit if they're all if they already have isolated strikers. Dwight McNeil, if he's not getting high enough up the pitch, it would be nicer to see him with two forwards to be sort of swinging balls into in more of a rigid well not rigid but more of a. Um, clearly defined 4-4-2 with two out-and-out forwards if if you know like a Calvert-Lewin and Morpé yeah it would feel nice as well because Calvert-Lewin feels like the kind of striker that would play well in a two like it's exactly what you want is an option to go to go long and then Morpé is a bit more technical that's kind of what his thing isn't it yeah and can just feed off feed off the the aerial duels that Calvert-Lewin wins but also in terms of just link up neither of them are bad you know are bad technically really um and and there would be there would be less onus on more pay to be the sole supplier of goal if if you're going into a relegation run in and you're only you're playing more pay down the middle by himself and i think you 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 deserve what you get right but it's not to say that he can't be an effective player but he he needs to be ideally with someone Who's gonna Who's gonna score the goals? <laughs> I think Calvert Lewin is in a bit of a a moment as well, though, like in terms of fitness. Um, but in the future, that'd be nice. It'd be the the good old days of Daish's four four two. Yeah, it could be. It really could be. Um, but also, then, who do you take out of the midfield three of Decore, Gay, and uh, Anana? If 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 they're your three best, if they're arguably your three best players, maybe 
ignoring the defence because he's not going to switch to like a back three or something like that. How do you play two strikers and then still have... Right. Would it be crazy to play Decore wide? There's like a kind of inverted winger kind of engine. Yeah, what if you did like a... You know how a lot of popular defences are like centre-back at right-back or left-back and have like a more attacking full-back one side and then you tuck into like a three? What if you did that but the next portion of the pitch up and you had a uh, you were playing a centre mid wide who could tuck in to make them compact and be able to sort of match teams in 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 midfield but then equally could go could go wide and and sort of give you width out there and potentially bully a fullback i think it sounds nice but uh, uh we'll let's probably get, let's boot up fm <laughs> we'll probably never know uh if this will work we need to somebody get us Sean Dyche's email what do you think Sean Dyche's email is well it's going to be the most basic thing it you know there's no messing about with Dyche is it it's going to be like S Dyche 1958 or whatever is that when he's born <laughs> he's definitely not a hotmail man I think he's got to be Gmail uh, I've I've been really harsh on him actually and He's he's not that old at all. Uh, just apologies to Sean Dyche. Nineteen fifty-eight. How old? <laughs> how old are you if you were born in nineteen fifty-eight? Um, well, you're you're really old, aren't you? You're um, uh, like sixty-five. Sixty-five. Yeah. Yeah. That is. That he's, does feel he's harsh. Not that old. S Dyche. Seventy-one. Seventy-one. At uh, at Gmail. Oh. Or at my post office, maybe. Maybe he's rogue like that. Maybe we could talk about the fact that actually Liverpool and Arsenal were both playing at home last night, and you it wasn't broadcast on British on English TV. <coughs> yeah, well, in, including the last game, five of Arsenal's six Premier League matches are not going to be on British TV anywhere, uh, which just feels crazy. Um, some of them are like rearranged three o'clock fixtures, like Liverpool and. Arsenal games were in the, in the week, um, which just doesn't make any sense, does it? It's not a three o'clock fixture anymore if it's on at nearly eight o'clock on a Wednesday. Yeah, how can it be so rigid that they can't? You know, it's it's like I get that the TV money must be, I guess, agreed earlier on with how many games you're going to have televised and things like that. But I just don't see how the Premier League wouldn't want to show its own product in England uh, it just seems baffling um, to be honest especially when one of them is the are the, are the league front runners and the other team is uh, one of the biggest clubs in the world well two, two of the biggest clubs in the world we could just say well yeah case. you could just say two of the biggest clubs in the world fine but recent um, Champions League winners and uh Craig Dawson's team. Is that who you're counting as the second, as the other? Are you not counting Arsenal as one of the no, no. in the world? No, well, no. I was trying to come up with a, a selling point for Liverpool Wolves. I watched Bristol City versus Man City, actually, the night before. Which, you know what? Was actually quite a good game. Bristol City played very well. Nigel Pearson should be very proud of his team. 
they actually uh, went at City and played pretty attacking football and did cause them a few problems. I saw uh, Alex Scott getting on the vid- uh, highlights of him going around on the socials. Yeah, he's the sort of big talent. I think I mentioned him before. He's the sort of big talent in the squad, plays in the England youth setup. Um, technical player. He's got a bit of a Grealish dribbling vibe about him. Even said that Grealish was his favourite player. Um, things like that. You can see kind of the inspiration, the little pushes with the outside of the foot and drawing in fouls and showing the ball and taking it away. That kind of thing. Um, yeah, he's a good player. Bristol City actually surprised me and played very well. But they're on a good run in the Championship. They hadn't lost in 12 and that had taken them up to 13th. So, um, you know, look at this championship talk. Oh, what's happened to us? Are we feeling unwell? Are we feeling unwell, Sam? Well, I am. <laughs> I am, actually. And also, <laughs> That's why you're listening to championship talk. I, I wasn't really listening because I was I was looking at Alex Scott, and he was born in Guernsey. Oh, wow. I, mean, <laughs> I don't have anything to say about that. Um, it's just unusual, isn't it? You don't know do they many. Play much football in Guernsey. How how do how does that work? Can it, how how does like a youth team? You know how many how many. Well, how big is Guernsey? Is the first question, I guess. How okay. many towns are there and villages in Guernsey? And do hold they all on, just play each other? Um, well, okay, that's a lot of questions about Guernsey. Um, grassroots Guernsey grassroots football. <coughs> what's the set? <laughs> There's 62,000 people in Guernsey. Okay. Do you know how long it would take to drive around the island? Yes. Uh, two hours. Okay. All right. So... It's bigger than the Isle of Wight. Then, right? Yeah, it must be. I don't. I don't know, Sam. I don't... My knowledge of um, maybe Guernsey grassroots football isn't the... Yeah. Isn't the direction we should go down. To be honest, but I'm just I mean, just a little bit curious. Well, there must be a lot of villages and towns and things. Yeah, lots of teams that can play each other. Well, it's right next to Sark as well. If you want to get a little ferry over to Sark. Well, yeah, but I don't see how that solves things. What do you mean? You can, you know, it's just like driving in a car, but on water, isn't it? It's like no, I know p- what a ferry is. <laughs> but you've like driven further to football matches than. Going to Sark, I'm sure. Okay, yeah, I suppose. I see what you're saying there. But I just think the league system, you know, I guess, yeah, it's not far. So well, right. do, you, do you want me to research it? <laughs> would, that, would that make you happy? <coughs> no, to be honest. Guernsey. Well, maybe if you want to do another time, if, if, you, if you want to, you know, come up with some facts <laughs> okay. the next time. But I don't think it's crucial. Uh, well, well, go, go and see I'll tell you what is the, crucial, though, Sam. <laughs> no, I've looked it up now. They're in the Ithmian South Central. Ishman. <laughs> Ishman. Okay. What's their furthest? What's their furthest journey? So most of the teams they play around London. So I think Southall might be the the furthest away. Okay. I don't know why they're in the South Central and not in like the other South. You know. Sort of like more Hampshire. You know, I would have thought they'd be more Hampshire. But I don't really yeah. know. There's one called the Southern South. But they're not in that. They play against London clubs. Maybe they fly in. Maybe that's why. They're going to Luton or whatever. But, yeah. So, I'm sure Alex Scott has had a very interesting football career. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah, okay. That's where you've gone with that. <laughs> I uh, mean, I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has. Got anything else to say about Bristol City? No, not really. Um, don't think they're missing Semenyo too much. And I don't think... I don't know why he went to Bournemouth still, but maybe we'll find out one day. Yeah, uh, when he, play when last he kicks game, on and he? takes off. Uh, not got too much to say about that. I do have some. I do need some advice from you though, Sam. Actually, which we might be able to end on a bit of bit of friendly advice. FPL, mate. Now, you know that I like my football, but I have to confess, I'm not the greatest at FPL because I don't like all of the chip strategies, the planning in advance, the making sure you've got a player who's not going to then blank and then do... Like, you know what I mean? It, it just becomes too much. So, chip strategy for dummies, Sam. What, what could you what could you tell me to do? Is the, the First off, we're up to game week 26, yeah? There are no blanks, are there? Not this week, but there's a, there's a blank in 28 for a few teams. I'd recommend looking up Ben Krellin on Twitter because he is like insanely good at all the uh, the spreadsheet and planning stuff for this. Uh, but yeah, so you've got a you've got a double in twenty seven, a blank in twenty eight, and and then another double in twenty nine. So the next four weeks could be like really big for your team. Um, yeah, so Brentford have kind of the best fixtures really, but it's complicated because of. Uh, Ivan Tony situation which uh, has just sort of started back up again uh, you'd definitely want him in for the next couple of weeks but but do you though it could be a very short term transfer situation um, Brighton also double up twice so players like Mitomo or Estupinian uh, sound good okay okay so just can I just throw something out there for my personal situation which won't uh, affect a lot of people but for my personal situation I've got I could put out a team do you know what I mean on that on that on that blank I'm pretty sure so so I've got my free hit left I've got my wild card left I've got my triple captain left and I've got my bench boost left yeah yeah me too okay fantastic so so what would you say is a good approach to take a lot of it depends on what players you've got from what clubs at the moment. But okay. the blank game weeks are a lot more manageable than they have been in past seasons. Uh, so you could do a free hit for a week where there's double, a double game week. And you maybe don't have a lot of players for those teams. So if you did want Brentford players and Brighton players without going long term. But there are also going to be double game weeks in the later part of the season. And one more smaller blank game week as well. Uh, so you're looking at six weeks out of the last 13 are going to be these sort of weeks with weird fixtures going on. Uh, so there's a lot to play for. Yeah. You you want a wild card with a few of these weeks in mind as well. So you're probably going to want to wild card around like 33 um, so until I'd then like it's... to wild card and then bench boost the following week, ideally, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. So for now, you want to see how much you can get out of what you've got for the next few weeks, and if you feel like 
that's a free hit. You can do it, but it might be best to save it for later. There's been a lot of talk of game weeks 28 and 29 that I've seen on sort of Twitter and things. But I'm looking at 28, and realistically, I've got Salah and Haaland and Andreas Pereira on my bench. And they were just, you know, they're the only three even affected by that. Obviously, I don't have the doubles that are going on there. So it might be, you know, I would want to bring those in. But I'd have free transfers to make for that. So it would all be pretty manageable. Um, so would you recommend on saving for the th- for the for the big ones in the 30s? Yeah, so the fixtures aren't like that amazing in 28 because it's all like single fixtures anyway. So maybe a 29 or maybe a an end of season punt, yeah. If it all looks right. okay, you're probably going to be fine and then you can just panic at the end of the season and then see what happens. Well, that's what I'm going to do. My girlfriend is currently beating me and she does remind me about it every day. So it'd be nice to have a big swing at the end and really, really bring her down a few levels, you know, <laughs> that that I would love. How much is she winning by? 60 points. Mm, but do you know what my problem is, Sam? No. I'm a stubborn, biased, silly man and I haven't had Rashford in at all. Yeah. And I missed out on Haaland's hat-tricks early on, his back-to-back hat-tricks, because I'm a stubborn, stupid man. And I let my football agendas come first when I shouldn't. Not in FPL. (laughs) But you do also like Chelsea a lot as well, I've noticed. Uh... Well, I just think, how could it be? (laughs) Yeah, but I... Well, yeah, I've got Joao Felix in, but I just thought, surely it can't be that bad for this long, right? And then it keeps being bad. You had Mudrick before as well. Uh, because I watched him light up James Milner for 15 minutes when he came off the bench. Um, and I got scared and made, I think, what people would describe as knee-jerk reactions. Yes, I've heard this word. So, um, yeah, that's my problem with it. So I need to remove the Liverpool bias. I need to remove the... United agenda and I need to well first step is getting Rashford I think uh, for my personal growth and my FPL growth I did do uh, Martinelli out for uh, for Bruno Fernandes a few weeks ago which wasn't a disaster but I did it so I could get Nketiah in who has since gone something like seven out of his last eight games without scoring and he's missed his last four big chances uh, and didn't feature heavily in the last round of doubles two substitute appearances shout out to Trossard actually because I keep forgetting to do that uh, I spoke about how Nketiah is a uh, totally different type of striker to Jesus uh, Trossard is a lot more similar to how we'd want to play with Jesus in that he's really good on the ball Thus, and Martinelli is flourishing exactly yeah so when I took Martinelli out there were good reasons for it I think but uh, as soon as we've got that um, more uh, involved striker again Martinelli's uh, scoring so uh, yeah. yeah hopefully it continues that makes sense well thank you very much for that if if I was to make one transfer what would, what would my what would your tip be Sam uh <laughs> Are you just going to copy this, though? Or... No, I'm not necessarily going to copy it. I just think... It... Okay, yeah, no, don't tell me, then. Don't tell me. Is Joe Felix a striker? Yeah, he is. 
get rid of him. Well, Felix. yeah, but I'm, I'm going to get Rashford in, so... Felix for Tony. You should do that. Oh, you reckon Felix for Tony? <sighs> yeah. And f- forget about the boy the boy wonder Marcus Mr Marcus Rashford well you're bringing him in for Liverpool Southampton and then a blank so could be better I think you'd okay. rather have Mitoma uh, when my world's burning around me and Rashford's just repeatedly running past Trent um, I'll be thinking of you Sam is all I'll say on that yeah I, I've got Trent so at least I'll uh, get some sort of uh, punishment from my my bad advice well, that's fine then. If I'm suffering, as long as you're suffering with me, that's what. That's what they say. I think, right? Next week <laughs> on the Press podcast, uh, we'll be talking about Man U, Liverpool, I'm sure. But we do need to stop Liverpool chat soon. Uh, maybe yeah. we need to put a cap on it. Maybe maybe I need to be restricted. I mean, this is like a massive game. <laughs> okay, when it's the week after, we'll talk about Liverpool next week and then we'll have a break because you can't not talk about Man United, Liverpool. That's true. That's true. What if Liverpool win and then it's like they're a big team again? Do you like a big, big team? What do you mean we're a big team again? Sam? <laughs> like a top four team. The top four uh, is on. I've taken that you... very personally. Yeah, okay, we'll talk about we'll talk about Liverpool United and then we won't need to talk about Bournemouth Liverpool, and that'll all be fine. Yeah. Unless Gary O'Neill gets sacked. All right. Well, I'll look forward to that. <laughs> I just being really harsh on Gary O'Neill for no reason. <laughs> Uh, Alright, I'll I'll see you then, whatever happens. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye-bye.